Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You could also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. Amen. Welcome. So glad that you're here. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome all of those who are joining us online from whenever and wherever you are and all of those out in Prescott Valley today. So grateful that you are with us this morning. I hope that as you heard that vision video, uh, that you begin to feel a little bit of a stir in your own soul about what God can do in and through us in this next season here at Quad City Christian Church. As we begin this journey together, uh, we have a guidebook that we're going to be offering all of you. So everybody take one. Uh, Our usher is going to be passing these out right now. We want you to use these all throughout this series with us. So what you're going to find in this guidebook are, uh, number one, you're going to you're going to see some vision pages. So these are just the uh, all of the stuff that you heard me talking about on the video. You'll get to see it here in this book. Uh, you'll also find in here a whole sermon note section. So today we're going to be on page 25. So you can use this for your sermon uh, guide uh, throughout this series. And then third, you're going to find some personal reflection questions each and every week. So again, we want you to begin asking God, what what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do through me? There's some questions in there. It would take you less than 10 minutes a week uh, just to go through these and to put your heart in a place to ask God what this journey looks like for you. And then lastly, you'll notice in the very back, there is a commitment card. Now, we're not asking you to do anything with that right now. In fact, we don't want you to do anything with that right now. What we're asking you is to leave open the next 35 days for God to do a work in you. We're asking you to to use that as a, a, a moment of prayer. You can put it with your Bible or wherever it is that you spend your time praying, and just let that be a spiritual reminder that God has some work for all of us to do. So we don't want you to do anything with it. Just let that begin uh, being a part of your prayer time over the next several weeks for us together. This is an exciting opportunity for our church. And I'm convinced that if each of us would just lean in and ask God what he wants to do in us and through us, we will all be transformed and have a huge impact, not just 
in us, but through us throughout, throughout the Quad City area. And for those of you who are joining online, this includes you. You're a part of this as well. In fact, you can go find your Excel book on our website. So there's a, a link on the website. You can download that and you can be a part of this journey with us because uh, we consider you a part of our church as well. So invite you to do that. And for those of you who have children, students, or kids in our ministries, you can know that they're getting their own version of this today. So uh, this is an all skate. All the families get to join this together so you can share this experience with your kids. Today, if you have your Bibles or you got your book, go ahead and turn to page 25 there, or 2 Corinthians chapter 8. That's where we're going to be leaning in together. This is going to be the home base for our teaching for the next few weeks together. So as you're flipping there, let me pray over us as we begin this morning. Father, thank you for your church. Thanks for allowing us to be a part of the body of Christ. We pray today that you'd begin to do a work in us. God, we just want to be the the best followers of Jesus that we can be. And so I pray that you, through your word today, would begin uh, transforming us even more into the likeness of Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to be in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians. And in this section of scripture, The Apostle Paul is writing to a church in the city of Corinth. And as we're going to see, he is actually inviting them to take a sacrificial step of faith that would not only transform them, but would also change the lives of people that this church would never meet, which is why it is a perfect place for us to begin this season of our church, because that's the invitation to you that we're going to dive into a season that's not just going to transform us individually, but will transform the lives of people that most of us will never meet. Now, let me start by setting the context. The Apostle Paul showed up in the city of Corinth around 51 AD, and he shared the gospel with some people, and a church is born in this city And he stays there in Corinth and he's discipling these people for about a year and a half. After 18 months, he leaves to go plant more churches, but he stays intimately connected to this church and he continues to disciple them. He wrote no less than four letters to this church and he made at least one more visit. So he kept pouring into this church over and over and over again. And so it should not surprise us that one of the areas of discipleship that he leans into with this church is around this topic of generosity. And in this section, chapter 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, it is the greatest teaching on the concept of generosity that we actually have in the entire Bible. And I And I believe that there is so much for us to learn. And so we're going to hang out in these texts for the next couple of weeks. Let's begin. Chapter 8, verse 1. Paul writes to the Corinthians. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Compelling, isn't it? Most of you, my guess is you have no idea what the Macedonian churches are. 
the people Paul's writing to, they would have. So let me jump uh, ahead and give you a little bit of geographical context here. So this is Italy, this is the Mediterranean Sea, and this is what we would call modern-day Turkey. So Paul had walked through this way and planted churches here in Ephesus and Troas, and then he went across the the Aegean Sea into Macedonia. So this region is called Macedonia, and here in Macedonia, he planted churches like the Church of Berea and Thessalonica and Philippi. So these are all churches. If you've been in church world, you've seen letters in your Bible called Uh, Thessalonians and Philippians. Those were letters he wrote to these Macedonian churches. And he planted those on his way down to Corinth. And so now he's talking to this church in Corinth about these churches in Macedonia. So with that little bit of context in your head, let's keep going. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. This verse sets the agenda for the rest of this section of the book of 2 Corinthians. Paul wants to talk about this issue of generosity. And he begins by pointing to the generosity of the Macedonian churches. And I want you to see what he says. He says these churches in Macedonia were under severe trial and they were experiencing extreme poverty. So these churches were hurting. Now, if if you were to listen to the news all day long, which I know this group of people, you all are way too smart to spend too much time listening to the news. But if you did, if you did sit around and listen to the news all day long, there might be a chance that you would come to believe that 21st century Americans are living under severe trial and extreme poverty. Like, like the news wants to convince you that that's true. And while there may be individual stories like that, I don't think it's the case for our culture as a whole. Let me just give you one very significant cultural, uh, uh, one cultural um, phenomenon that would go against the idea that we are experiencing severe trial and extreme poverty. Uh, how many of you all have heard of the Taylor Swift tour over the last year? Anybody? Okay. The rest of you must be living under rocks. I don't know what's going on. For those of you who are unaware, Taylor Swift sold out 117 football stadium shows on her last tour. And she sold them out in seconds, like literal seconds. The tickets averaged over $1,000 if you tried to get them on the secondary market, okay? $1,000. With two, with two tickets for the New Jersey show selling for $184,000. And it's not just New Jersey, by the way. We look at those East Coast weirdos. No, 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 no. There's 146,000 people in Arizona. 
146,000 people in Arizona who went and saw her back-to-back shows down in Glendale earlier this year. One article I read said that the average Swifty paid $1,300 a piece for this concert. So maybe, just maybe, things aren't quite as bad as what your news would lead you to believe. But apparently for these Macedonian churches, it was bad. They understood what it meant to go through severe trials and extreme poverty. In fact, Paul goes out of his way to make sure we understand that their generosity, it welled up. It did not come from vast storehouses of wealth. It did not come from a season of economic certainty or better yet, prospects of economic boom. He makes sure we understand their generosity came in the midst of very severe trials and extreme poverty. He continues, for I testify, that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. So check this out. Paul says the generosity of these people welled up all on their own. like, And they gave not just as they were able to give. No, no, they gave beyond their ability. In other words, they put themselves at a deficit for the benefit of others. They sacrificially gave on behalf of other people entirely on their own. They put themselves below others so that they could be a part of serving the Lord's people. What does it mean that they gave in service of the Lord's people? Well, we learned from the first letter, 1 Corinthians, that we have, that Paul was actually collecting an offering from these Gentile churches in Macedonia and Acacia, what we would know as modern-day Greece. He was collecting an offering from the, the Gentile Christians to send back as aid to help the primarily Jewish believers in the city of Jerusalem who were undergoing severe trial themselves. So Paul was collecting this offering to go help the believers in Jerusalem. But here's the amazing thing that I want you to notice as we walk through this text together. As we walk through this entire section, chapter 8 and 9, you will notice that Paul says almost nothing about what he is asking people to give to. Like he never mentions what he's asking people to give to. Which if you know anything about fundraising is a really bad idea, Paul. You just need to know that's not a good plan. Like if you want people to be generous, then you have to tell them the need. You got to create a compelling vision that people can grasp onto. You need to show people pictures of hungry kids and, and sickly dogs with the little Sarah McLaughlin in the background. Like you, you got to stir up the emotion to help them understand the need. People need to know where their money is going so that they'll be compelled to give. Paul? Paul doesn't do that. As you're going to see throughout this text, 
Paul is way more concerned about the heart of where this money is coming from than the need of where this money is going to. Let me say that again because I don't think you heard me. All throughout this text, you're going to see over and over, Paul is way more concerned with the heart of the people the money is coming from than the need of the people that the money is going to. Before they, they, and they beg Paul to take part. Look what it says. I testify they gave as much as they were able beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this offering entirely on their own. They take up this offering. They put it in a bag and they give it to Paul and they say, please take this. Please let us be a part of what you're doing here. They urgently plead to be a part of this work. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So they collect this offering, they hand it to Paul, they beg him to take it. And whatever Paul expected for, to be in that bag, they exceeded Paul's expectations. They exceeded it. And then... Notice what Paul says, because this is so important. Don't miss the sequence here. The sequence matters so much. He says, they gave themselves first to the Lord. They gave themselves first to the Lord. Before they ever gave anything to Paul, they gave themselves to the Lord. This is so important. Please hear me. We are for sure going to talk about what generosity looks like over the next several weeks together. But I want you to know that if you have not yet first given yourself to the Lord, then we aren't asking you to give anything to us. If you have not given yourself to the Lord, we do not want anything from you. Giving money to the church without first giving yourself to the Lord, is completely backwards. It's so backwards. And frankly, I think it could be downright dangerous. And let me share with you why I think it's dangerous. Because what can happen is that we begin to believe that because we gave money to a church or a missionary or a mission or to the Girl Scouts or to the Boys and Girls Club or whatever good thing that you want to give to, somehow we believe that we've, because we've given money to these good things, that that somehow makes us good people. Because we're now good people, we begin to feel good about ourselves. And now we believe because we feel good about ourselves, God must feel good about us. And God now owes us good things. And I just need you to know that that's just not true. God isn't after your money. He doesn't just want your gifts. He wants you. He wants all of you. He wants you first and foremost to give yourself to him. 
Because it does not matter how generous you are, there is no amount of money, no amount of time, no amount of service that you can give as a replacement for you giving yourself to him. When we give, we give out of our relationship with God, not in place of our relationship with God. Again, don't miss that. When we give, we give out of our relationship with God. We do not give in lieu of our relationship with God. It does not work that way. These people got it right. They give themselves first to the Lord. And Paul then says, and then, after they did this, then, by the will of God, they gave to us also. So after you get the first one right, then you move to the second one. He says, they gave, by the will of God, they gave to us also. Now, I don't know about you, but I would say that somebody who is enduring severe trials and extreme poverty, I feel like they ought to get a pass on worrying about generosity. Anybody with me? No? I mean, like if this was me and I was thinking about these People, like, if that was your story and you came up to my instinct would be to say to you, you shouldn't worry about trying to be generous. You get a pass. If you're enduring trials and poverty, like, you should get a pass. But I want you to notice, Paul doesn't say that. Paul doesn't say that, and apparently God doesn't either. Because Paul says, then they gave to us by the will of God. Like, God had an expectation. It was God's will that these people under severe trial and extreme poverty, it was God's will that they would too give sacrificially. It was God's will that they would give for the sake of others. Which begs the question, why would God want people who are enduring extreme trials and severe poverty, why would he want those people in those circumstances to sacrificially be generous for others? And here's why. And if you get nothing else from our message today of our time together this morning, here's what I want you to walk away realizing today. Generosity is not a money issue. It is a discipleship issue. Like, this is the thing. This is what you need to hear today. Generosity is never a money issue. It is always a discipleship issue. So we here at Quad City, we have a very simple mission that we get from the great commission that Jesus gave to us. To go make disciples. The way we phrase it is this, that we exist to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. That's why we're here, to make more disciples and to make better disciples. So let me focus on the better part for just a second, because here is what I know. 
When it comes to fully surrendering ourselves to Jesus, often the last part of our lives that we begin to trust him in is when it comes to the area of our finances. I find it very interesting that we will trust Jesus with our salvation long before we will ever trust him with our savings. Isn't that true? Like the last part of our lives to get baptized is our billfolds. Like we, we don't, we don't want give to give that part of our life to him. Like we're, we're happy to put our family in his hands, our children in his hands. We're happy to put our health in his hands, our eternity in his hands. Like we, we willingly lift up all of that to him for his using in our life, for his blessing. But we have a really hard time offering to put our resources in his hands. This is a discipleship issue. The word disciple simply means one who follows another, one who is, who is being led. It is a student, one who goes where his master is going. It is a learner follower. And this is one area of our life that many of us don't want to listen to Jesus to learn or to follow. This is the area of life where somehow, somewhere in us, we have not come to actually Find Jesus trustworthy. So we don't go where he leads. Because whether we'd say it or not, we aren't convinced that he knows what's best. We're convinced we know what's best in this area of our life. Which is, again, why generosity is not a money issue. It's a discipleship issue. And when you come to that realization, then it makes perfect sense why it would be God's will for people, even in extreme poverty and severe trials, why it would still be God's will for them to step up and lead out in rich generosity. Because it's a, it's a discipleship issue. Because in doing so, when they do that, they are being transformed. And they're being transformed as we're going to look, as you go down the next part of our text, we're being transformed into the likeness of Jesus when we well up in rich generosity. We're becoming like Christ when we sacrificially give on behalf of others. And God wants that for everybody, no matter your circumstance. Let's drop down to verse 7. This verse is the theme verse for our entire season that we're calling Excel. Okay, this sets not just the expectation for generosity, it actually sets the motivation for our generosity. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Like this is the theme. What does the word excel mean? Excel means to go beyond, to outdo, to, to move forward, to surpass where you have been before, to exceed, to beat, to top, to outclass, to eclipse. That's all, those are all synonyms of the word to excel. Like excel has this idea that you haven't 
arrived that there is still more striving to go. Like that's what the word excel means. Now, I think we get that when Paul makes this list here. There's a lot of areas where it makes sense when we think about excelling. Like when we think about faith and speech and knowledge and earnestness and love, you say, yeah, yeah, there's more rooms to grow in this area. But think about it. Paul adds to this list, excel in the grace of giving. Let's back up for just a second. I want you to, let's just play this out for just a second. Since you excel in everything, think about your faith for just a moment. How many of you would say that your faith has reached the pinnacle? Like you have mastered faith, that there's never any struggle or doubt or fear in any of your life, that you have, you've reached the top of what faith looks like in your life. Anybody would say that? No? Okay. How many of you would say that you have conquered speech, like you have tamed your tongue, like you never say anything you shouldn't, and you always say the things that you should? Anybody got that one down? No? Okay, great. What about your knowledge? You say in knowledge, how many of you would say, I know everything there is to know about following after Jesus? I've got it, all of it. Anybody? No? Okay. What about love? Anybody here say, I have mastered the greatest of all the commands to perfectly love the Lord my God with all my heart and to love people. Anybody? Got love down all the time. Anybody? No. Okay, great. So we recognize that in every one of these areas of our faith journey, there is more to go. There's further to learn. There's there's another step to take in this discipleship journey in every one of these areas of our life. And then look what Paul does. Paul adds something to this list that almost none of us would ever think to add. Just as you excel, that you know there's further to grow in all of these areas, In the same way, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. He puts it on the same list. And here's what I know. Most of us have never thought to put giving on this list of things that we are to keep striving for in our discipleship. Because the reality is most of us have felt like we've arrived in this area. We don't feel a real need to grow in this area. Whether we are weekly tippers or consistent tithers, there's this thing in us that has come to believe that wherever we are on this part of our faith journey, that's good enough, and we just check the box and move along. But Paul adds grace of giving onto this list of things that we would recognize are never to have the box checked. There's always more to grow in these areas. And so over the next 35 days, here's my ask. I just ask that you would be open to going on this journey with us. This journey to put this command into practice, to excel in the grace of giving. I'm not asking you to change anything yet. I'm not asking you to commit to relenting your Finances yet? You can let go of your purse. 
right? No shakedowns today, okay? This is just an invitation. An invitation to begin asking God, what would it look like for me to take a step, to go beyond, to excel in this grace of giving? What would it look like to excel in generosity? We can talk about where the money's going to go. We can talk about what, what kingdom advances we can make, and we will. But to be honest, Just as we see here with Paul, that part's secondary. It's secondary. The primary goal of this endeavor is the state of the hearts of those of us who give. This is a discipleship journey. And we want to become better disciples of Jesus. And becoming a better disciple of Jesus requires us to become better in our generosity. And if we do that, here's what I know. As we become better disciples of Jesus, it will actually fuel our capacity to make more disciples of Jesus for generations to come. So let me lay it out this way. Here's the primary goal that we're placing before you today. We just want 100% churchwide engagement. Like if you consider yourself part of the Quad City Christian Church, However you engage with us, we want everybody to be in. If you're a newcomer with us, you get to just sit back and watch and see and hear the passion of people and why we do what we do, why we are willing to do hard things for people we may never know. But if you're here and this is your church, we're asking you to dive in, to be engaged. What does that look like? Let me give you three quick ways. We're going to invite you to engage in this sermon series. I'm I'm unapologetically asking you to show up for the next six weeks. I know for some of you, like I've never been to church six weeks in my life. This will be a big step for you. Like a lot of people in our church, like I told our vision night crowd that for a lot of us, uh, and many of us in this church, your, your, your connection here is like the Cardinals offense, right? You show up one week and you're off three. Show up one week and then you're off three, okay? I'm asking you to engage for six in a row, okay? Join us here. Number two, to engage in a group. Here's what I know about you. Every, every time in your life when there's been a significant step, a growth in your journey with Jesus, it's always happened in community. It's never been in isolation. It's never happened in a vacuum. There's always been somebody or somebodies that have poured into you to help you take the next step. That's the way God works. God works in his people through his people. So we need community. And so we're inviting you to be a part of a group, to engage in this season in a group. That may be in your life group. It may be through your discipleship group. Or the third option would be starting this Wednesday night, we'll actually have some Excel groups in this room on Wednesday night. Pastor Josh will lead here in this room on Wednesday. So if you don't have a group, we want to give you a place to have some conversations for God to be able to work in your life during this season. And here's the last one. We want to invite you to engage and make a commitment to grow in the grace of giving. This will come at the end of our, this season together, end of this journey of this series. We are going to ask you to do that. 
And so we want you to begin saving space for God to begin working in your heart now and just asking, what does this look like for me? How do you want to transform me? What does this look like in my life? Let's be honest about where we are when it comes to trusting Jesus in this area of our lives. And let's have a dialogue about what it would look like for all of us, every one of us who call Quad City our home, to excel. Remind you of the whole point of today. Real simple. Generosity isn't a money issue. It is a discipleship issue. And I hope that that you will lean in and ask the Lord what it looks like for you to grow in your discipleship with Jesus. Let me pray. Father, we are grateful for today, for a chance to open up your word and be challenged and made uncomfortable. Oh, but God, we want to be transformed. And so leverage this season for our church to do a work in us so that we can watch you do a work through us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about him and his word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor him. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.